0: Welcome to Transformative Talk. Each episode is hosted by a different graduate student in Dr. Haddad's courses at the University of Texas in San Antonio. Join us today as we explore how educators can use critical social theories to transform themselves and their classrooms. Educators can get real and share real life experiences, near misses, and big little wins. This is Paige Bourne. And Samantha Rodriguez, your host for this episode of Transformative Talk. In this episode, we are going to talk about how we can help students make more meaningful connections to literacy and social studies by utilizing pop culture and relevant activities. Okay, so before we begin, we're going to give you a little background information on
1: our teaching experience that we feel is relevant to our topic today. So, I'm Samantha, and I'm currently in my 10th year of teaching. I've taught both 3rd and 5th grade. I taught 3rd grade for 6 years and 5th grade for 4 years. I teach all of the content areas, uh, which means that I'm not departmentalized and I teach every subject. And I am currently the 5th grade general education teacher for Deaf and Hard of Hearing Collaborative Model, which means that I have students in my classroom who are deaf. This year I have one. So throughout the day, I also uh, collaborate often and co-teach with a special education teacher who is certified to teach deaf and hard of
0: hearing students as well as a sign language interpreter. Well, I'm Paige and I am currently in my fifth year of teaching. I have taught both fourth and fifth grade. When I taught fourth grade, I was there for four years and I taught all subjects before looping this current year with my class um, to fifth grade. I now teach two sections of ELAR with social studies embedded into it as well as one section of reading of science. I also um, have um, one student who is ESL which is English as a second language that I work with throughout the day.
1: Okay, so let's go ahead and start getting into our discussion for today. So the chapter that we're going to discuss in this first part of our podcast by Stevenson Bean and it's chapter 5. Chapter 5 focused a lot on how to use texts from popular culture and fandom to engage students in literacy and social studies activities. Um, It also gave us uh, the ideas of how we can get our students to think more critically when viewing what most schools consider non-traditional texts. So that's a lot of your uh, ads and magazines, newspapers, Um, even cartoons and animation and movies and things like that.
0: Also in Stephen Bean's Chapter 5, they discuss five different questions that you as a teacher should ask yourself when you're planning any type of unit. So those five questions are, what popular culture is represented in the text? Who is the intended audience? So thinking not only just your students, but their age group. Who stands to benefit from using this of this text? So, how do your students benefit this um, using these kind of text? Who is left out, marginalized, or silent? So the popular culture texts? So, which students will not be interested in it? Um, who are you leaving out? Who do you think will not be um, gain anything from that? What is the text trying to trying to do to its readers? So, what are they? Are they persuading, informing, entertaining? Um, In reading this article and after having these five questions, it's helped me become a better lesson planner because I ask myself these questions when I'm planning out my uh, reading lessons. Uh, Yes,
1: I completely agree. Um, Ever since reading this chapter and and looking at those questions, um, it's made me more thoughtful. Um, I really liked in the chapter how they discussed um, the activity that they had the students do, where they had them go and look at um, a particular TV show, something from their pop culture that they wanted to critically analyze. And the students uh, chose, uh, that were highlighted, chose uh, South Park, which is really popular at the time, that this article was written. And they were able to take that show and really um, analyze it and look at which groups would be offended, by that cartoon, which groups were misrepresented, and um, which groups the show really uh, targeted, and the audience that they were trying to have. Um, so, since reading this and since thinking about that activity, um, I've been looking forward to really being able to incorporate these types of questions and activities in, into future discussions with my students, and as well as trying to figure out a way to take those questions and those activities and bring them down to a fifth grade level um, since the activity discussed in the article were high school students. Um, Also in reading this article, I uh, began to reflect on my current practices and the students that I have right now and really just kind of thinking about the level of engagement that I have in my classroom and the types of tasks and activities that I am having them do. Um, So in thinking about that, page, I know that um, you said you're, you've been teaching for a while now, for five years, and so as a veteran elementary teacher, uh, what have you found has been the biggest struggle for your students when it comes to being engaged in English language arts?
0: Um, I have noticed um, in both teaching the fourth and fifth grade students, that my students struggle to make connections to what they are reading. Um, when they don't feel like it is relevant to them, they have no interest in it. Um, I noticed that students Tend to get distracted when reading passages that, like I said, aren't relevant to them, which leads to them performing um, not very well on reading passages as well as um, not gaining um, experience in reading and moving up in reading levels because they just don't want to read. Sam, what did you notice is the biggest struggle to keep your students engaged in the LAR?
1: Um, so I've, re- I've noticed a lot of similar things over the years with my students as well. Um, they often have times really just understanding the text that they're given because they aren't able to relate to what they're reading. They don't see that type of text on a daily basis. It doesn't hold a lot of meaning and value to them. Um, a lot of times the content is either um, very outdated uh, the top- or the topics aren't really very interesting to a young student. It isn't something that they want to learn about because it's not something that their friends talk about it's not something they see on TV or that they hear in music um, and so oftentimes especially during testing uh, the students are given a lot of tasks and activities and content to read that are not relevant to their lives or to what they want to accomplish in the future and so because of that they're not really engaged in the activity and they don't really see the value in what they're doing and just really tend to think that it just needs to be done to take a test.
0: That's a great idea, Sam. So I made that connection with my students when I was telling them that sometimes, wow, I'm in grad school, that I have to read some papers and some articles that aren't really interesting to me, um, but I have to do it because it's part of my, you know, school, my job, um, and so I try to express it to my students too that sometimes we always have to read something that maybe not engaging, but we have to do it just because. That's really interesting. So I had that exact
1: same conversation uh, with my students in the beginning of the school year, and it was for a lesson that really kind of just revolved around what do I do as a reader when I have to read something that is boring and I don't want to read it. And so because of this era of high stakes testing, it's very sad to think that we have to teach our students how to read something that they're just completely disinterested in, like it's a whole separate skill that we have to teach them. When really, if we're thinking long term, as far as them being successful when they get older, they really need to be learning how to read and analyze the text that's around them in their world. Okay, so in thinking about that, and thinking about realizing that our students aren't very engaged in the activities that we're giving them, um, what are some ways, Paige, that you've tried to get your students engaged and involved uh, prior to reading this article?
0: The ways that I have kept my students engaged is by finding different passages that the students can relate to. So earlier this year in um, social studies US history, we were talking about um, immigration and how they were coming to the new world and they discovered, you know, the new world. And so I found two different passages that related to immigration. One was about them coming over and they had to go through Ella's Island and how their names were changed. And the kids were really interested into that because they did not know all of that background. Um, and then another uh, passage that we read was talking about um, uh, paper brides and it was talking about how they would um, they immigrants would come over here and then they would pay for a bride to come over and the kids were really interesting in that because they were like what like they got a bride from a paper but it connected to the immigration stuff that all these students are going through nowadays and so it was really good and we had um, conversations um, we had conversations about discrimination and immigration and their views on it and what the true definition was. Um, it was a great way to have conversation about something that happened so long ago, but is still relevant to what is happening in the world. Um, I also try to get my students to uh, know what what kind of pop culture they're into, Fortnite, the different kinds of rappers that they like, um, and bring that into my teaching.
1: So, well, I think that's a really, really good idea. Um, I bet really given the dynamics and the demographics of your classroom, knowing that you have students that are are refugee students from other countries, focusing on that immigration is probably so much more meaningful for your kids than is for my students who, who are not from other countries, who are not refugee students. Um, At the same time though, learning about other students would also be meaningful for my kids as well to get them more exposure to the world. But um, I love how you were able to kind of incorporate that for your kids.
0: I also do something different is every time we go to the library, I make my students check out a different type of genre. Um, I just feel like exposing them to books that they might not think are interesting. might help them realize that they do like sci-fi or they do like mystery or biographies. And so I always give them a different type of genre to pick out every time we go to the library. Um, Samantha, what about you? So um, the thing that I can kind of think of specifically
1: off the top of my head is um, kind of similar to what you're talking about with the genres, is I really try to um, engage my students by giving them choice in the type of text that they read and so, usually, I try I try to give them choice when we're doing picking groups to do reading, picking books to do reading groups, or in the novel that we want to read out loud as a class, um, or even in their independent reading when they get to pick a book that they want to do a reader's response on. Um, I've really noticed that giving them the opportunity to choose what they want to read has really increased their willingness to want to join the reading group and to want to sit and read for an extended period of time and they don't feel like it's this chore that has to be done that they really get into it and really start to learn to love reading. Um, And then something else that I've recently done as well is to kind of bring in that pop culture um, to get them engaged in in learning about different genres. One in particular in poetry recently, um, I used uh, song lyrics from familiar artists that are really popular right now that they'll like um and of course you know it was the school appropriate version of the lyrics but then we could print out those lyrics and really talk about how these songs that they're listening to are poetry and they hold so much deeper meaning and they were so much more engaged than you know reading a poem by like robert frost or you know somebody that you know is this world-renowned famous poet because it holds, holds no value for them. They can't connect to it versus something that they hear on the radio every
0: single day. I really like that idea. Actually, next week in our, um, at my school, we are actually going to um, take um, your main one, Mr. Grinch, and we're printing out the lyrics, and we're going to talk about all the stuff that's embedded into poetry and figurative language, and we also did fireworks. Katy Perry because both of those have that figurative language um, that the kids are gonna be able to see plus who doesn't like to listen to your mean one Mr. Grinch. Yeah
1: so we actually totally did Firework also. Firework is a great one because that's such a good message for the kids and they know it and they know the rhythm they know the rhyme pattern all that that's a really good idea though with the Mean One Mr. Grinch like I may do that in class too that sounds fun.
0: Yeah um, so it's something that they'll be able to take and no, remember when they take the STAR test or anything like that, hey, we listened to that song and she made us highlight that stuff or whatnot. So I think it will be a really good connection um, to everything.
1: Yeah, I, so I kind of try to do uh, sometimes similar stuff with informational text as well. So I'll try to bring in magazines and newspaper articles about topics that are happening right now or happening in our city um, that have an impact on their lives and are just stuff that they care about as as a kid, and that seems to to help.
0: That's that's a great idea. That's awesome. I'll have to start doing that. I know I try to talk to them daily about, you know, things that they're interested in, but finding um, articles and newspapers and things like that, that'll be a great addition to it.
1: All right. So, well, it sounds like we're actually off to a really great start with this conversation. Um, We're actually going to take a break right now. Um, and when we return, we'll continue our discussion on Stevens and Bean's uh, critical literacy and making learning making learning
0: meaningful for our students. All right, we'll see you in a little bit. Welcome back to this week's Transformative Talk. I'm Paige Bourne.
1: And I'm Samantha Rodriguez.
0: Your host for this episode. So before we went to break,
1: we were spe- speaking specifically on our takeaways from chapter five of Stevens and Bean's book on critical literacy. Um, So that chapter focused a whole lot on pop culture and uh, using text um, for activities that were going to be relevant to our kids Mm -hmm. to keep them engaged. Absolutely. Uh, So in this part of the podcast, though, we're going to start focusing on chapter seven, which was titled Cycles of Deconstruction and Reconstruction.
0: So, yes, um, in the second article we read, we all... We also was by uh, Stephen and Beans, chapter seven, about how we need to conduct and engage our students in critical literacy activities that are relevant in the lives of the participants and the community that they live in, um, and thinking of that. So
1: to kind of recap, the main main, um, activity that was discussed in the chapter was about how a new teacher in a small rural farming community um, she was very respected in the community. Everybody loved her. She's a great teacher. Um, she loved to do new and inspiring activities with the kids and kind of just got tired of doing the same old thing. And she was an English language arts teacher. Um, so for the activity that she decided, she wanted to engage her seniors that year in a novel study of the nonfiction book Fast Food Nation and with the hopes of opening up discussions about how the increase of fast food restaurants and commercial marketing had increased the use of large-scale factories and decreased the prevalence of the small town family farm, something that was incredibly relevant to the students who lived in that small rural farming community. Um, the students did a lot of research on the book. They read the book. They had a lot of discussions that were very meaningful, That were based around connections that they could make to the book, connections to their own lives. Um, And then as a result, they created their own documentary about their farming community and the values and the history of that community, and then um, showed that documentary to their community and even to people in uh, neighboring towns.
0: Um, I loved that they were able to um, use their own lived experiences to ensure the knowledge is captured um, and that they are able to take it back to their community. Yeah, the students
1: were really able to relate to the topic because they had the opportunity to view and and learn about their community in the way that they had not before. Um, They could draw on their own personal experiences, the experience of their parents, their grandparents' farms, um, and were even able to interview people in the community that had been around when the small family farm was in its heyday versus, you know, them as kids, it was already in the decline so they could really get an understanding of how important
0: it had been to them. Yeah, and I know notice, I noticed in here that one of the students talked about how they couldn't wait to leave this town because it was a dead town because everything was dying in this small town and they, they didn't think they would find work or be able to live there. But after this, they um, were able to get more respect for it and for their grandparents, which I think is fabulous.
1: Yeah, and it was—it was as a teacher, it was very in, this inspiring of an activity. Um, it made me want to be able to do something similar with my kids, you know, on the scale of something that was appropriate for their level. But really, kind of expose them to a topic and an activity that was going to be meaningful for them and kind of fill them with agency and the need to make a difference.
0: Yeah, and Samantha, that makes me recall when we took our grant writing class together that you had been working on a grant about utilizing the cultural um, expertise. Expertise, <laughs> thank you, of urban youth and the learning of mathematics. I think that your grant fits perfectly in with what's what we are talking about and the deep real world connection that they could make from it. Can you explain more about it?
1: Yeah so when we did that um, I was really inspired kind of just by the students that I had worked with previously in the past and then even um, my husband and my sister-in-law's their own experiences as kids um, growing up in the inner city and really just um, the knowledge that urban youth have is really oftentimes overlooked because you know those schools don't perform as well on testing, um, you know, and things like that. And so teachers go in, and administrators go in, and TEA goes in, and, and they just want to focus on getting the kids to memorize, you know, all the algorithms and just get them up to where they need to be in order to pass that test. And um, they're not able to. Re- they're not retaining a lot of times. Research shows. Um, what they really need to continue to be successful later um and it's just that regurgitation that banking of knowledge um when really their experiences in life um they give them a benefit you know working at a tire shop they can relate to, to so many things and so as an educator if we can use those experiences those knowledge that knowledge that they have um and a and take that and apply it into the activities we use in our classroom, we could reach them on such a deeper level and really make learning more engaging and meaningful for them.
0: I really love that. I thought it was a great connection, and it was kind of funny that I just remembered it out of the blue That um, from our grant class. Do you have any examples of critical literacy that is relevant to your students that you've done? Um, So
1: really, what I kind of thought back on in reading this article was an activity that I did with my kids that kind of resulted in them kind of creating their own project. And I guess I thought about it because it was similar to um, the seniors in the Fast Food Nation and creating the documentary. Um, Last year, we were studying informational text, and I had found a book really for the sole purpose of teaching text and graphic features, but it was about sea turtles, and it was about ocean pollution. Um, and the different things that groups and people at home can do to protect the beaches and the ocean and so my students actually became really interested in what types of things were being done and what could be done to protect ocean animals and so they showed a lot of interest in it and they wanted to start researching it so we actually started a a research project Um, and so They researched um, ways that people could get involved to donate to organizations, to help out with organizations, um, what what was already being done to help um, ocean animals. And then some of them even spiraled that into just overall environmental protection and even just getting into topics with global warming and climate change. And they took it and just ran with it. And it was really interesting to see how fifth grade students what they were really interested in and what they really cared about Um, because I think as adults we kind of underestimate how much they really what kind of topics we can really expose them to and so they were able to go in and take this big topic of you know cleaning up the ocean and pollution and climate change and really just dive deep into it and um as the teacher, it was great because, I mean, they didn't mo- they really did all of the work. I helped a little bit with the research and guiding them into the right place. But it gave them a really great experience with um, research skills, with researching and writing and reading skills and all of those teaks and things that I have to hit with them anyways, except they didn't even realize that they were learning them. They were excited to learn. Um, they wanted to keep doing it every day. They wanted to present. And they were just... They were proud. They were proud. They were so proud and they were so engrossed and just involved in what they were doing. It was really great.
0: And I bet you that they went home and they were able to share with their parents what they had learned which is really interesting because a lot of times, you know, the kids are like, I don't know, I didn't learn anything. But I bet you they were able to take this home. And when they go to the beach the next time or something like that, they were able to understand more about what was going on. Yeah.
1: And who knows? I mean, we, one of them may even grow up to, you know, work in marine biology or environmental engineering or, you know, you never
0: know what kinds of activities
1: can spark their interest in something else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it all started because you decided to read a book about sea turtles.
1: And so is there anything, um, any projects or things like that critical literacy-wise that
0: you can think of that you've maybe done with your kids? Yes, Samantha. So something that um, I did with my students last year was that that we were reading um, a book about, um, we read a book that had talked about starting a, a business. And so we connected it with math and so we took we created an ice cream shop and so students were put into groups and they got to pick their groups and um, they were able to fund an ice cream shop pretend but able to figure out the financing and knowing that they had to go talk to a bank and they had to be able to um, make sure that they created everything that goes with opening a business, which tied into, you know, economics and just knowing how much hard work that maybe some of their parents do opening up a business. Um, And it was wonderful to see them work together. They created like different names. Um, Their slogans were awesome. They even created little mascots. They had to draw them out and um, put on face masks. Um, They designed their menu um, what kind of ice cream they wanted to serve and cones and how much um, they were also able to um, design this a store how they wanted to and they picked their location and they noticed that different locations cost different amounts of money and so we had that discussion about how you know if this costs this much money because it's over here but you know this one is at the rim and it costs this much money and so we had those engaging conversations which i think were meaningful you
1: could uh, yeah i mean you could have even opened that topic up to, I went to asking them, why do you think, why do you think it costs more on to open a business on this side of town versus the other side of town? And even kind of dived a little bit into the, that, those social justice conversations. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then it was so cute because then they had to design and act out a commercial. Um, and so then I recorded it on the iPad and then we got to watch it. And so it was just, um, it was just so engaging for the students and they were so excited to be a part of it and we even made ice cream and let me just tell you that that that's a teaching experience <laughs> that making homemade ice cream was a hot mess. Yeah, it is harder than it seems. It's it is. very hard.
1: I've tried it before. It's it's great in theory. Yes, I'd rather go buy ice cream from the store. But they had, I'm sure, a very memorable experience that they're going to remember for a long time, and you were able to create so much educational value in that for them, Um, and really just kind of utilize kind of what we were talking about earlier, that cultural expertise of where they come from and that background knowledge, and, you know, they may have family and they may have parents who they own a store or they help work in that store, and so they kind of already know a little bit of what it takes maybe to run a business and don't even realize that they do. And so it just really gives them a meaningful task.
0: Yeah. And so something they're excited about this year is that they're going to build a tiny house um, in math. And so I just think it's going to be awesome because I'm going to try to incorporate my goal to myself is to incorporate that into reading and writing. So that way they are meshing it together. But, you know, tiny houses are all the phase. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so um, that all seems like so engaging for your kids and something that they're going to remember for a long time um, and just going to be very relevant for them and keep them interested. Um, I think what's really important, too, is that we um, as educators continue to uh, teach our students to kind of look critically at the worlds around us and really um, analyze that, the the text that they see in everyday life and that pop, pop culture media
0: um, that they encounter. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they always talk about Fortnite. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I we, I said have they
1: ever looked at who does Fortnite represent? Who is not represented in Fortnite? You know, I mean, Fortnite has characters. What do those characters skin, look like? Yeah, yeah. what is, what do those characters look like? Do those characters look like you and me? Why don't those characters look like you and me? And those dance moves, because yeah. some of those I can't do. No, those dance moves are yeah. How are those uh, culturally relevant um, to different to different groups of people? And just having them think about those questions while they play those video games that they don't really think about because it's just it's a game, but it's really so much more than that.
0: Yeah, and they're going to be able to look at it differently than they do now as just like a fun little game. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree, Samantha. So Samantha, I think there's so much more that um, as teachers, educators, and even humans that we can learn about critical literacy and how to make it relevant and engaging to our students. Um, What do you think we could do? Uh,
1: Well, I mean, really one of the biggest things I think we can do is just be so purposeful in the lessons that we create and um, the activities that we engage our students in. I mean, thinking back on my own time Um, In school, as a young kid, I don't remember ever doing activities that I truly felt were like analyzing the media and the text around me and really asking those questions, those five questions that we talked about in part one. Um, I don't ever remember being asked that as a kid. And so um, as an adult, that's something new for me. And so really, I think if we kind of strive to learn how to do that for our kids, um, we can kind of better prepare them. Um, for their future and to have different conversations as, as adults.
0: No, I absolutely agree. I think that um,
1: we do. And so, yeah, so um, like I said, just engaging, help, engaging them in um, activities that are relevant to their lives so they can see just the value in their learning and begin to learn how to critically analyze the pop culture and the media and the games and the text and everything that they encounter on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's wonderful. And I think if you, if you wanted to learn more about this topic or other aspects of critical critical literacy, you can read the book Critical Literacy by Stevens and Bean. Um, and that's a book that we referenced two of our chapters from for this podcast.
1: Well, so thank you for joining us. Um, There's definitely more to talk about this topic, so you can always tune in next time. But that is all for this episode. So thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you discovered our show. So that's all for now, but we'll see you in the next episode of Transformative Talk.
0: Bye.